Hello, I'm Christine Malika, PhD, and this is Interview with a Therapist. I'm a licensed psychologist, and each episode, I will be asking 10 questions to a professional in the field of mental health. Please note, in order to protect current or former clients' privacy in accordance with HIPAA and confidentiality laws, all identifying information has been changed. Today, on Interview with a Therapist, I will be speaking with Dr. Indira Abraham Pratt. Dr. Pratt is a board-certified clinical health psychologist who graduated from the University of Miami, Florida with a doctorate in counseling psychology and specializes in pediatric psychology. She works in a multidisciplinary pediatric obesity program at a large hospital system in Orlando, Florida. We were peers in the same counseling psychology program. Go Canes! Welcome, Dr. Pratt. How are you today? Thank you, Christine. I'm doing well, and thank you so much for inviting me for the interview today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you today. So, let's talk. Uh, Which psychologist or figure in the field do you most admire? There are quite a few, but I actually have to mention two since they're sort of related. The first is Dr. Donald Rouse who was a professor in my child and adolescent psychology course in my junior year of undergrad at University of Miami. He was considered one of the founders of the discipline of pediatric psychology, which is a field that I've been most involved with in my career. And learning from him and his course really made me um, change my major to psychology from pre-med and biology, the track that I was on before. Um, but with his, within his course, Um, I worked on a research paper, and I learned about another very influential psychologist whom I very much admire, and that's Dr. Mamie Clark. Um, My being a multiracial, multiethnic woman of Afro-Latina, West Indian, and East Indian ancestry, learning about Dr. Mamie Clark's work, um, including the famous Clark doll test, her research Mm -hmm. on child development and racial prejudice. Uh, as well as the role in the really famous 1954 Brown versus the Board of Education case. Um, All of that really resonated with me very much and really inspired me. Um, She was such an influential woman and psychologist in the field, despite the prejudice that she faced as um, a black woman. And she actually became the first black woman to earn a PhD in psychology from the Columbia University back in 1943. So that was a really tough time for black women um, and black uh, people in general in education, higher education. Um, Dr. Clark, as well as her husband, is also well-known in the field, Kenneth Clark. Um, They did that famous study on, um, there was over 200 children, black children from the ages of three to seven, who were asked, basically to identify both the race of brown and white dolls and which color doll they preferred. Um, They found that a majority of the children preferred the white doll and assigned positive characteristics to that doll, while they discarded the brown doll and assigned negative traits to that doll. Um, That study is is so heart-wrenching when you read it because I'm not sure if it's newer ones I've seen with video or if it's the original ones, but mm-hmm. the children are so young that are already ascribing yeah. the negative traits to the black doll. And these are little black girls attributing the negative traits to the black doll and the positive to the white doll. And they're, like you said, what, three years old? 
Yeah, yeah. And that's so impactful when you think about it at such a young age to have um, your self-esteem and your racial identity identity be affected that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was really impactful when I, that was one of the studies I really um, learned about early in my um, studies that really just had such a profound effect on me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that one too. And I, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but when they've done that mm-hmm. updated, it's still similar results, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Still very similar results. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's really contributed a lot to continuing research in racial identity and how, um, you know, young people are affected from the earliest of ages and how that affects you in your adulthood. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, Indira, yeah. which case will you never forget? Um, you know, I have so many, as I, I'm sure you do, Christine, in your work, as each patient leaves a little or a large imprint on us in our work mm-hmm. for the night set. For the last nine years, I've been working in a multidisciplinary program, helping children and teens who are struggling with being overweight or obese, which potentially has so many health and medical and psychological effects. Mm. I have some teens um, that I will never forget, forget because they've turned their lives around and really found ways to live healthier, cope healthier, and have improved well-being, self-esteem, and that makes me so proud. Um, I also have younger kids from time to time, and recently I have one that's really pulled at my heartstrings because um, younger children just really depend a lot on their parents and their family and caregivers uh, for their health and well-being. Um, and I have one right now who's in elementary school, um, and I'm really working hard with this family because the child has already developed type 2 diabetes and has some other health issues that are coming up. And I'm really working hard with our families to kind of work on some of the unhealthy patterns and difficult challenges that have affected them and their caring of this child and his health. Um, so that's probably the case in most recent time that's affected me the most. Sure. Oh, what is the most frustrating thing about your job? I would say the most frustrating thing about my job is when patients have no or little intrinsic motivation or hope to make changes in their life. Um, also, when capable parents are not giving their best effort to role model positive behaviors for their children. Mm. I think all psychologists tend to struggle with these types of patients who are stuck in the pre-contemplation and contemplation stages of change, but it's really our role to help guide these patients through these motivational challenges and it is also very refreshing or rewarding as a psychologist to see patients move from feeling stuck to increasing motivation and actually making effective and positive changes in their life. Yeah, well, your, your work, which involves adolescence and sometimes younger, like we all know, really involves the family. And it sounds like especially when yeah. it comes to food, you know, mm-hmm. it's emotional. It's what we do together. We need to eat at the same time if the parents are eating in unhealthy patterns, then it's very hard for the work you're doing with the child. I can only imagine the um, difficulty it is to make some of these changes when you don't necessarily know what's going on in the home environment, or can you really control what's going on in the home environment? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. I mean, changes in our life with our health behaviors can just be overwhelming sometimes. And 
um, when we feel too we don't have the support we need, it makes it that much more difficult. Mm. What do you consider your biggest professional success? I believe the process of becoming board certified in clinical health psychology, that was an intense process to prepare for with submitting uh, practice examples for review by experts in my field and then passing a rigorous oral exam. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from that process and consider that one of my biggest professional successes. And um, on an everyday basis, I consider it a a, um, success in helping and empowering my patients with their work on improving their health behaviors and their well-being basically helping kids and teens and their families find ways to get healthier emotionally and physically. So I try to also focus on this, the successes I have on my in my everyday work. Well, congratulations on being board certified. That is a major accomplishment, and, and I'm proud of you <laughs> to hear that you've done that. Oh, that's, thank you. That's major. So your, your, you. your practice is lucky to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Christina. Um, how does being a psychologist affect your home life? Well, you know, Christine, at home, and I, I'm sure maybe you and other people in our field feel this way, I'm mom. <laughs> and sometimes I am mom who is a psychologist. <laughs> I think the psychologist part is minimized and highlighted at differing times and occasions. Um, I suppose I'm always thinking about relationships and behavior in my family and how to improve them. And I'm constantly thinking about how to improve myself. I definitely end up being consulted by family members and friends all the time for non-official consults or venting sessions, and I'm okay with that. And obviously, when necessary, I do refer them to others in our field and really try to get them comfortable with the idea of therapy as being beneficial and also to take away the stigma from therapy that some people have. Mm. Okay. Um, how do you deal with burnout and or vicarious traumatization? Yeah. Um, that's a complicated uh, question. You know, I thought about this in, in terms of just even um, in my own personal life. You know, our work can be very emotionally draining. So I try to make sure that I can turn off or dial down the psychologist's volume level in my personal life. Mm. I believe often that, you know, there's just a fine line between doing this hard emotional and empathetic work in our field and burnout and traumatization. So I do try to focus on my life outside of work. And when I'm not working, I include exercising like biking and walking recently, um, some outdoor gardening and our great weather, spending time with my family and kids, watching movies and finding a park or an outdoor area to explore with them. I also take daily minutes just to meditate and have moments of mindfulness, uh, prayer, and really just reflect to what I'm grateful for in life, which I think always puts things into a healthier perspective for me. Um, realizing that my caring nature and because I am a psychologist, I constantly have to remind myself to care better for myself. Uh, I think that's a constant work in progress for me. But I do need to kind of remind myself of that in order to be able to balance caring for others. That is something that's come up um, in these interviews that the caretaker oftentimes is not taking care of the self. Right. Very common. Yes. Um, 
And switching gears a little bit, um, what is something you remember learning from a patient? Uh, Christine, I learn from my patients all the time as they each have unique life experiences. Everyone has their own biography that they're living through. Um, I had one client recently who shared some of the lyrics of her music she's been writing about her life and relationships mm-hmm. and she even uploaded it to SoundCloud. I think that makes me really just think about how young people today are just living in such an extraordinary time, especially technologically where they're learning and expressing themselves in so many exciting ways. And that makes the therapy process very interesting. And most recently, I've been learning a lot um, from some of my team um, who are experiencing just great distress. And these are some of my African-American teams who are just experiencing a lot of um, distressful feelings about the racial injustice and growing tension that has recently become more magnified in our society. And that has been especially hard. But I always want to stay open uh, to learning from my patients because I think that really enriches the therapy process for them. And has that come into your therapy sessions more in the past three, four years? Yes, definitely. I think, um, you know, just too because of, especially with young people, they're just so uh, privy to media and social media these days. And they talk about things. These kids and teens are just very insightful and they're talking more about issues of social um, of social injustice and just society in general. So uh, it's definitely come up much more in themes and therapy for them. Mm. Well, let's hope that in the future we see things trend in a better direction. Yes, I'm hoping for that too. Um, this question's a little lighter. Uh, if you weren't a psychologist, <laughs> what career do you think you would be? Oh, yes. I think I probably would have become a pediatrician or a pediatric specialist. That was kind of the path I was on before I had that kind of remarkable pivot-changing course in child and adolescent psychology. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I would have become a writer. Uh, oh. There may still be time. Yeah, there still may be, may be time for me to become a writer as I have some ideas about children's books and other books that I really have not had the time to work on or... Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe a podcaster like you, Christine. Wonderful. Join us. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I can I can envision some like fantastic uh, childhood books, but that also carry some message about maybe like obesity and pediatric issues. Like you, so you have like both identities in there of yourself as child writer yet as psychologist. Right. Right. Yeah. It's hard to separate the two. <laughs> um, if you could make one change to the field of psychotherapy or psychology, what would it be and why? I feel my change to the field relates more to the training of therapists and psychologists, and that would be to broaden our training to ensure that all clinicians get broader experiences in working with diverse populations, especially those different from our own self-identified ethnic, racial, or cultural groups. Mm-hmm. We still have a lot of barriers and assumptions that break down in our society, obviously, and I think we need to work on encouraging more open-mindedness and compassion and curiosity for us to learn from others. Um, I, I believe that people are actually experts of their own lives as they are living it. And as therapists and psychologists, we're, we are there to help guide them through their life experiences, especially the twists and turns that we all experience in life. So 
I believe as therapists, we have to, to be able to have the ability and willingness to learn about others and their life experiences. It may obviously be different from our own. You know, that just sort of sparked in me the idea of you're saying, you know, the the therapists who are in training need these broader experiences. And you and I had the blessing of being trained in South Florida, where of course it's more diverse than let's say other cities. But when I thought about our cohorts and I thought about the students we were with, perhaps not so diverse in terms of who we were in the classroom with. Right. Yes. Yes. That was really striking. I think we did get a lot of experience um, and training in diversity, but yeah, across faculty and the peers in our cohorts, there wasn't that much diversity. But I think the good thing about learning and sharing um, as colleagues in the program is that we were all just very open to learning, mm-hmm. and I think that really means something too. Yes, yes. Um, do you follow any religious or spiritual path? I know there's a great debate about whether God's existence can be proven scientifically, but I am a believer in God as well as science. Mm-hmm. I feel that there's something bigger than all of us as humans and creatures of this earth or universe uh, that has an influence or plan for us. And I also believe that we have free will and are fully responsible for our own actions. And I definitely respect other people's varying views, but spiritually, I feel. I live by that and, um, my, you know, my, my belief in God. And I feel I live by my actions and in how I care for others and how I interact with others. I strive to create people, to treat people with kindness and compassion. And I do my best to stay positive in life because there's a lot of, you know, negative things that happen. Mm-hmm. I definitely credit God and the support from my family and friends and helping me get through this tough year with COVID-19 changing mine and everyone's way of life and with all the racial injustice that has been so predominant um, in our country. Yes. But, you know, more generally, I think my philosophy is, is uh, kind of a life philosophy that, um, you know, contains my spirituality and, um, it's really just trying to uh, do better and be better. <laughs> Not perfect, just striving for better. Sure, sure. Okay, um, this is a little bonus question I tack on at the end. Uh, what do you wish to tell non-therapists that are listening to today's podcast? Yes, yeah, I would love to tell them that therapy can be very beneficial at any time in your life whether you're struggling with something or not. And to also just be open to the experience. Sometimes we have preconceived notions of what therapy should be and shouldn't be. I also believe it's important to find a good match in a therapist. Sometimes we may try a therapist and just feel that it's not the most comfortable environment to really share our thoughts and feelings. And then that may kind of sway us away from wanting to have the therapy experience. But I would not want you to be ruined by that not-so-good experience or experience that maybe was not what you thought it would be. I think it's also helpful to just, you know, in general, to have a, a trained professional therapist that can help you 
with your life journey, all the twists, all the ups and downs, everything in between to help you be the best you can be in your life. Well, thank you, Dr. Pratt, for your answers today. I also want to thank you for the really important work you're doing with pediatric obesity is such a huge issue that kids in this country are facing. And thank you for keeping at the forefront issues of diversity and racial injustice and doing that as a psychologist and bringing it into the therapy room. Thank you so much, Christine. It was a pleasure being on your podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Interview with a Therapist. As always, I hope these episodes both help humanize the therapist and help destigmatize seeking mental health treatment. If you are interested in seeking therapy, APA.org backslash help center is one place to start. If you are a family member of someone seeking help, NAMI.org can be useful. That's NAMI.org. You can find us on Instagram at Interview Therapist. Please note that comments or messages on social media are not monitored regularly and is not to be used for any treatment concerns or emergencies. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please call 911 in your local area or call 1-800-273-8255 nationally. This podcast does not constitute therapeutic advice or treatment.